fear the talking queers. Hey, bitch. Hey, bitch. Feliz Dia de los Muertos. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, that is today, it isn't is it? It is today, yeah. Wow. Spooky season ain't over. I know. I know. I, I, I guess I've been mourning spooky season, but technically it's still going on. Yeah, we have our um, altar set up above the TV of our oh my relatives gosh. that have passed on with the offerings of a persimmon and an apple. <laughs> wow. Yummy. Yeah, we totally do it up. Um, it's, well, it's the day after Halloween. Yeah, it is. Today, it is. I have a hangover. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I kind of woke, woke up feeling a little bit of one, but it's thankfully passed. Yeah. What did you do? So I had the very scary task of going to work all day yesterday. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Not all day. A true but, horror uh, story. Yeah, literally. Uh, no, it was just I worked during the day um, and then came home and... Me and my roommates, uh, we decided to have a movie night like we do pretty much every night. Mm, that's um, <laughs> we, we had one extra friend over, which sort of made it you know, a little special. A little party, I guess. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, I made that infamous pumpkin mac and cheese Ooh. from our Halloween special, if you listen to that. Um, was it? Did it turn out good? Oh, it was even better this time than it was the last time I made it. Mmm. It's delish. And it even surprised the people who were skeptical. Um, you know, my friend was like, wow, this sounds interesting. And the Trident was like, And are they Whoa. all vegan too? No, he's not vegan at oh, all. Oh, so they were pleasantly surprised by yeah, he was, an entire yeah, vegan he, pumpkin mac and cheese. Absolutely. Yeah. He was like, I would never have thought that this wasn't cheese. And there's not even, there's not even fake cheese in it. There's not even vegan cheese in it. It's just, it's magic i don't know what it is wow that makes it i know i'm I'm really curious maybe i'll do it for november pumpkin season's not over yeah absolutely and yeah just go buy some pumpkin puree some cashews i'll I'll send you the recipe. send me the recipe and i want the vegan one because okay great yeah i would love to try that i i actually am drunk off of well i was i woke up this morning still drunk but um, <laughs> I was actually drinking Vampiros, which is the recipe that I oh, talked yes. about in our Halloween special. Oh, my gosh. I know. It's so crazy that we actually, like, consumed the things that we talked about. No, we, yeah, we're not fucking phonies. We no, were telling the we truth. we like that shit, yeah. yeah. Um, they were delicious, and then we started to run out of things, so it was just then became, like, tequila mixed with, like, some juice. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, that's fine. Uh, we did drink. We drank a little bit too. We had um, apple cider mimosas, Ooh. Ooh, which I made, and it's basically just like spiced apple cider that I got from Trader Joe's, Yummy. and some champagne, and then I did a little bit of a brown sugar rim on the glasses. Um, it, that sounds delicious. It was, no, it was so good. Send me the recipe for that too. I'll be having it for Thanksgiving. No, seriously, it is so good and so simple to make. It was just literally apple cider and champagne and brown sugar. Like yummy. And, and it was such a great fall treat and uh we had quite a few of those. <laughs> so Oh shit. Um and champagne just naturally you know makes your head hurt a little bit, but I mean um that's it was, spiced it was worth it. That spiced apple cider though from mm-hmm. Trader Joe's is the bomb. 
bomb, bitch. It's so it's good. It's so fucking good. I had some today without champagne since we drank it all yesterday. Yeah, and it was yeah. Just and as delicious. It's just as delicious. I remember trying that for the first time last year and being like, mm-hmm. I love this and now you just reminded me of it again so I'm like I'm gonna there go there we get go some. yes and we just watched a few movies we watched um, Hocus Pocus we started off with that uh, and then we and then we moved to Trick or Treat we were sort of saving those two for um, the day Halloween day and, yeah right and then we sort of kind of just chose the one we hadn't watched yet um, this year so we chose Young Frankenstein just to sort of cap off the night and Frankenstein was, um, that's Frankenstein. And um, no, it was a quiet, lovely night at Aww. home. It was, you know, Halloween is different this year, and we sort of accepted that. And um, We actually had a party. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, we went to a party with Andre's family, and, like, I was obliterated. I, some They told me this morning that I was assisted to bed. Oh my god! I was like, really? <laughs> like, uh, I was like, Work. but I was one of the last two standing. So, wow! I mean, that's something to be proud of. It I would is. Say. Hey, <laughs> the queen of the party. Uh, yeah, come one, come watch my Halloween boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, my god! So, do you even remember the night? Like, did you have fun at least? I had fun. I had fun, but I, I think I drank. I got there kind of late, so I just like went for it, and I just it was from pretty soon it was seven o'clock when i got there and it was two o'clock when i had ended and i was just i i don't really remember i remember nice. bits you, and pieces wait, what was your costume i dressed as a cholo which is like not foreign, <laughs> not foreign to me that's like what i all that's like my go-to because i just have that costume in my closet yeah that button on the neck yeah <laughs> right i love it i i love that aesthetic so i just went for it and then i just kind of did like a light skeleton paint um, mm. Just like a whisper, kind of like when JLo was a skeleton. Do you remember that? Oh yes, yeah, so that's kind of what I was going for. But I didn't really didn't have like the makeup for that, so I just kind of like did what I did. Yeah, she was Madonna this year. Oh, she looked great. Cute. She looked great. She looked so good. Oh my god, do you see any like celebrity costumes on on the internet today? No, uh, I haven't even hardly. I've hardly been oh. alive today. <laughs> <laughs> there were some cute ones, and there were some also some really stupid ones. Did you see Sean Mendez was just himself, just beat up. I was uh, like, what? Okay. And then Camila Cabello was a Miami witch. I was like, this is stupid. Who you, did you put any thought into this? Miami witch. What <laughs> 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 the fuck is that? <laughs> Who the fuck knows? But that's what Camila Cabello was. I don't like her. And, right. And then um, Alyssa Milano was Ruth Bader Ginsburg, but she posted it and then she got her initials wrong. She called her RGB. Oh my God. Yeah, stupid bitch. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> like proofread people, please. Yeah, seriously. Um, yeah, so there's some of the funny costumes I saw. I'm trying to think of a, a, another really good one. Yeah, JLo's Madonna was great. Um, I don't remember. I I was like, here I am hyping this this up, and I don't even remember I know. anything well, that I saw. You saw this three celebrities dressed up as iconic characters, the Hocus Pocus special. Oh my god, Tell yes. Tell us about Hoc- that. Yes, oh my god. Um, it was really interesting. So Bette Midler every year does this fundraiser called uh, Hulloween. Okay. And uh, so this year, of course, I mean, it's usually live, um, like on stage, but this year it was virtual, of course. And um, it was so bizarre. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> but it was funny. It was like, it was like equally um, funny 
and also cringy. Like okay, the the celebrities, every one of them, it was sort of presented as a documentary about finding the Sanderson sisters, and there were some really good um, moments in it. Like Elvira, she sort of hosted it. It was supposed to present it as like her documentary, and okay. she's great. She, first of all, she looks better than same. ever. She's sixty nine years old, and she looks the fucking same. stop. She's 69? Yes. She's 69, God, and she, she still looks, looks amazing. Good. Her comedy is still on point. She killed she killed the opening number, moment, and she had a few other ones like sprinkled in, and she was great. And then there were some other celebrity uh, moments. Like, it was everybody just sort of submitted their own, like, encounter with a Sanderson sister. And um, Meryl Streep's was fucking hysterical, and it was just her talking in her backyard with her dog in the background, just in her own casually talking about just casually talking about her encounter with Winifred Sanderson. And it's hard to explain, but it's on YouTube. If you can go look on YouTube and look up Meryl Meryl Streep's, you know, contribution to Huluween. Yeah. It's fucking, it's just hilarious. It's just done. So Meryl, um, I loved it. Glenn Close went full on Cruella DeVille. I know she had posted pictures on her Instagram of her in like her, makeshift Cruella get up but it was before this event and she goes she's full on in the character and also we have we are convinced that Glenn Close is cracking up in in you know lockdown or whatever like she has not acted in so long yeah she's going nuts because you see that picture of her dressed as fucking Cru- Donald Trump no yeah, oh my god it oh, is she's losing it hilarious. she's losing it She's oh. losing it. Um, but, she, I mean, she was full out in this, and it was entertaining to watch her, her like, go back into her Cruella-ness, which was great, of course. Yeah. But then there were also some really, really bad ones. Oof. Like, you know, Todrick, uh, <sighs> you know, I don't know who tells him he's funny. He's not funny. And, you know, no, he... No, he's not. You know, I pers- in my personal opinion, other people may find him hysterical, but it's just, it's surface level comedy it's it is not it is it's not great no and it never. went on forever like that was my biggest criticism was that there was too much dodger call because he's not funny and doesn't really contribute much and then there was like it was like a really awkward he was like another witch talking about i don't know talking about the sanderson sisters and then all of a sudden jennifer hudson showed up and started singing and i'm telling you oh uh, it was like who what? Who the fuck put this? Who the fuck was the supervisor? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Maybe it was like too late. He submitted it, and they were like, uh, "Okay." I mean, I guess we got to put it in the show. We we told him he'd be in it. We already paid I him. Don't <laughs> I don't know. It was yeah. There were moments like that that were like a hot mess. Yeah. Um. And <laughs> and then of course, Bette Midler, Kathy and Jimmy, and Sarah Jessica Parker all reprised their roles as the Sanderson sisters. And bitch, Bette Midler is still on her game when it comes to Winifred Sanderson. Oh my she, god, I bet she she is she still has that fucking character down to a T, and um, it's like a delight to watch. Oh, <laughs> I can't wait for Hocus Pocus too. Right, and she says that it's that she's looked at the outline, it's merely an outline. It's nothing more than that. But she's she says that it's good, and if Bette Midler says it's good, that gives me hope. 
Um, yeah, because she wouldn't know, sign up I, for a project she didn't right. believe in at this point of in her course, career. Especially because I think she does love Hocus Pocus a lot, obviously, mm-hmm. since she brings it back every year to do this thing, this um, event. And then, so then Kathy and Jimmy and Sarah Jessica Parker were also part of this. And, I, and Kathy and Jimmy was in it more than Sarah was. Um, I think she was slightly... I don't know, embarrassed to be a part of it, but she was, she was still fine. She's still fine. Sarah Jessica Parker, though, on the other hand, I think she maybe was like, fine, I'll do this at the last minute. I don't think she remembers what she did as Sarah Sanderson because it was like kind of a different care. She sort maybe of she was should have like, rewatched the movie, right? Yeah, I think she maybe should have popped, you know, the Blu-ray in or you know turn on Disney Plus and watch it again. But all, and then at the end they perform "I Put a Spell on You" and Bette Midler sounded great. I'm and sure. the other two, and the other two in the background, it was. I think they may be prepared for this like ten minutes before because they didn't know any of the choreography. They were just sort of on the struggle bus behind Bette Midler, like trying to keep up with, like totally forgetting yeah. choreography. It was well, like cute. it's like when Destiny's Child <laughs> gets together. The other two, right. the, the two yeah. in the back, kind of like aimlessly yeah. dancing. Literally, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, there's the Beyonce, and then there's the Kelly and the Michelle. Yeah, and they definitely were that. Um, I'm loving Kelly these days, though. But I know, hey, yeah, she killed bad hair. That's great little little tune they put in there for her. Um, but yeah, so it was fun. It was a fun little thing. It was really stupid. It was like kind of embarrassing for all of them, but it was it was still fun, and it was like a nice little segue into Halloween, and yeah. it was for a good cause. So well, yeah, so we good on you, Bet. Watch something else that ha- was um, poor, <laughs> yeah, which was also embarrassing, which is also poorly was, executed, which is not only embarrassing for um, the you know the makers of the craft legacy but it's also embarrassing for us because we were <laughs> we were championing this movie so hard so hard we were like everybody we're like, needs to quibbing haters <laughs> give it a chance you don't even know what it's about yeah and then here we are with egg on our face because the movie <laughs> is a giant pile of shit i know okay so <laughs> the craft legacy i wrote down just sort of you know just to give you like a little mini review of what we experienced watching this film in case you haven't seen it there may be some spoilers ahead so just bear with us and if you just skip over this if you <laughs> want to wait to see it but i would just listen to what we have to say um <laughs> i thought the most interesting part of the craft legacy was timmy's trajectory the character of timmy yeah of course because he's the only one giving it given an interesting story the, yes he's like the only fleshed out character and he's not even part of the coven of witches but they kind yeah. of included him i don't know it was it was weird and then they did nothing with his storyline after he they just killed him died they killed him i'm like what about his sexual experience with isaiah i just didn't like that it didn't go anywhere here's my problem with the, the movie in general the movie does a whole lot of setup for no payoff it no like payoff. sets up so much like it's like okay we're gonna we have these witches and they have a coven and we're and they have powers now but they don't explore it we don't learn anything about the girls we don't learn anything about the plot of the villain we don't learn anything about timmy and his lo- like there's nothing, nothing. it's just full, so full of fucking plot holes it's it like, was almost like riverdale like but the craft and then like condensed into an hour and 30 minutes right i mean honestly it probably would have fared better as a tv show yeah it would have i think that um the main character i think she did i think all the girls did 
phenomenal giving their two-dimensional characters sure. personality. I didn't really like the girl that played Frankie. I thought she was a little over the top. She was like, a little over the top. She was she a little, was a little too gen, gen Z, you know what I'm saying? Yes. With like the jams and like, yeah. the, you know, it was just like, I get she was like an original you know, very different from the girls from the original, which I can appreciate, but she, mm-hmm. I don't know. There's something about that just really bothered Their me. Their powers like, were the most distracting thing to me. Instead of being like a natural witchy grounded power, like we see in the original, no, it was they were fucking X-Men. superhuman, like mutants. Like, yes, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, okay, no, I, that didn't work for me. I thought the villain storyline was super weak. Wait, Did, wait, wait. There was a villain storyline. Who knew? Because I should showed up in the last five minutes and died five minutes later. Yeah, and they're still pushing out marketing for this movie and with scenes that are not in the movie. Like, car- right. cool gas characters that aren't in the movie. And I'm like, what is going on? I think they did a nice job with the gay and trans characters, though. I thought the character of Lourdes, sure. her little commentaries about being trans, I thought were insightful. But I thought they, I thought that it's important. But again, we didn't learn we anything didn't learn about anything her character. beyond her being trans. I thought yeah. it was a super waste of talent because I thought that the, the girls, for the most part, did a job well done. Yeah, it had the script been fleshed out and given them a chance to shine the movie might have been different but it was i i don't even understand because like the the original craft couldn't be any you know longer than this but they managed to focus on the girls give them each a story give them each a struggle mm. and this one i don't get it like i, I don't know the how the girls I were it. barely in it how are the girls barely in it? Like I watched an hour and a half movie and didn't learn anything about these characters. No, I was like, I was like, why are they only in the beginning and the and they were bookends? I was like, okay, yeah, in the craft, yeah, in the craft legacy, witches. a movie about teen witches. The teen witches were in the beginning of the movie and at the end of the movie, and their power is yeah. ridiculous. I was really let down. I think the script needed several revisions before they started shooting. I think they needed a. I think they needed a new director and writer. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I, I, the whole. I think the. I think the whole thing is. It was a misguided. Mess. It was totally misguided. It didn't misguided, hit the. Terribly hit the edited. Terribly, terribly CGI. Edited. Yeah, terrible CGI. It, it was just. It was a shit show. It was a shit show. It had decent moments. I think they again. I think they handled the LGBTQIA yeah. characters well. Right. That was about all they did right. Yeah, and I think that the problem with it was that it tried so hard to be politically correct, which I appreciate, of course, but it's like, it didn't add to the... St- what is that? Okay, now what else? You know, what else to the story is there? It's just them, you know, spouting off these woke statements, which I, of course, yeah. I love, and I agree with everything that they said, but it's like, but that's not a movie. And those scenes that they threw in to kind of, you know, villainize the villain character, I felt like they were afterthoughts. I think they, they were all, like, we don't have yeah. enough to make it seem like that's the villain so they were like just threw these random scenes in there and i they did not work i was like this no it was all it was it was just surface level you know poorly thought out no no depth no character development nothing and And so honestly it could have been called something else because there was no nothing that said the craft to me about it nah nothing except what the one mention of manon Oh yeah, I was like, I, I, I was like, wait, I was like, they have not even mentioned 
Manon once in this movie, and then literally two minutes later, she was all Manon. I was like, oh, wow. Oh my god! And then the the most ridiculous part about it is then completely unearned reveal of Nancy at the end of the movie. Sorry, spoiler alert. I know. I know. Not. I was like, where are we going with this? What part of her character resembled Nancy? Gave off the nothing i thought i thought if they were gonna do that i think she should have been sarah's daughter i don't think that she should have been yeah absolutely she was a natural witch and that and even then i'm like are the girls were they witches in the beginning like what i just i don't get it yeah and there was no and there was no discovery of their powers it was just like oh our fourth has arrived and now now we're superhumans we're superheroes and all of a sudden we know how to use all of our powers completely and we'll we'll just have a montage they had a montage a fucking montage to show their powers yeah they like which most of the time was them freezing time which i thought was ridiculous they froze time oh and then they light as a feather stiff as a board and woo and then it was like oh and i have fire that shoots out of my fingers like what is this? This yeah. is not the fucking craft I know. And no, love. no, yeah, it was misguided. So, and I'm all for bringing it into the new, to the new, you know, century or whatever. There was a but, better um, way to do the it. The new century, yeah, the new deck or you know, generation. But <laughs> this, what this was not it. I know. I'm super pissed off that the, that this is even part of the craft franchise. But whatever. Moving yeah, on. <laughs> Speaking of witches, what are we doing this week? <laughs> we are doing um, a potentially, you know, we don't know if they're necessarily witches or not, but it's a movie about women. Where am I going with this? It's the Neon Demon. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. We're doing the Neon Demon, which is... the. Um, this movie came out in 2016? Yeah, right? 16. Yeah, this is a 2016 mo- movie by Nicholas Winding Refn. <laughs> um, you know, most famous for movies like Drive and like all those like yes. Ryan Gosling man movies. Those, you know, yeah. violent, masculine films. And um, he brought he decided to just switch it up and bring us this movie about women in the fashion industry and beauty and yeah, yeah it's kind of crazy so what do you think should we tell them what it's about yeah give us a rundown all right, all right here we go the neon demon released in 2016 directed by nicholas winding refin our film begins with a young girl named jesse played by Elle fanning posing as a fashion corpse covered in blood Jessie is a new arrival in Los Angeles with dreams of breaking into the high fashion modeling world. After the shoot, Jessie meets a kind makeup artist named Ruby, played by Jenna Malone, who notices Jessie's deer-in-the-headlights demeanor and invites her to a party. At the party, Jessie meets two models, Sarah and Gigi, played by former supermodel Abby Lee and Bella Heathcote, friends of Ruby's. After the girls admire Jessie's natural beauty and talk about Gigi's plastic surgery, incredibly cold Sarah begins drilling the doe-eyed Jessie with questions, specifically about her family and who she's fucking in order to climb the ranks. As the party continues, the girls watch an intense and abstract art show with lots of strobe and neon lights. The next day, Jessie meets with a modeling agent, played by Christina Hendricks, who immediately signs Jessie and advises her to conceal her 16-year-old age and tell people in the industry that she's 19. She thinks Jessie is destined to be great and arranges a test shoot with a high fashion photographer named Jack who is in town. Jessie forges a signature on her parental consent form and she begins her journey to stardom. 
She then hangs out with the photographer from the beginning of the film, a charming young man named Dean, played by Carl Glussman, who takes her to a spot looking over the city of Los Angeles. Jessie talks about her dreams of making it big off her looks, as she believes she has no other talent. As the night ends, he attempts to kiss her, but she shoots him down. As Jessie returns to her cheap motel room in Pasadena, she's frightened to find a mountain lion has found its way through her backslider door. The disgusting motel owner, played by Keanu Reeves, blames her and swears she will pay for the damages. The next day, Jessie arrives at her shoot with Jack and is greeted by Ruby, who does her makeup and transforms her into a goddess-like model. Jack, an intense artist, demands everyone leave him and Jessie alone. Once alone, Jack has Jessie stripped completely nude and strategically covers her body in gold paint. Ruby waits for Jessie to finish and tells Jessie she doesn't think she should be alone with Jack and offers to be there for her if she ever needs anything. Ruby meets with Gigi and Sarah, who are shocked to learn that Jessie has already worked with Jack so soon. Sarah feels threatened and claims that her and Gigi's expiration dates are coming soon. Ruby thinks Jessie has that thing. Jessie then finds herself at a runway casting call with Sarah. Sarah is completely overlooked by the casting table and Jessie is sent immediately to measurements, leaving Sarah jealous and upset. After Sarah angrily smashes a mirror in the restroom, Jessie comes to console her but accidentally cuts her hand on a shard of glass. Almost ravenous for a piece of what Jessie has, Sarah licks a mouthful of Jessie's blood straight from her hand, frightening Jessie and leaving her running. When Jessie returns to the motel, she passes out just as Dean comes to visit. She dreams of a bright neon shape moving towards her and and hands reaching through the walls. Dean confronts the hotel manager to try and defend Jessie after the mountain lion incident. Soon enough, Jessie ends up in a runway show with Gigi, who is surprised to find her there and digs at Jessie for moving up the ranks so quickly, insisting she must be fucking somebody, and then divulges all of her plastic surgery modifications. Gigi is threatened by Jessie's self-confidence after claiming nobody likes the way they look, to which Jessie replies, I do. Jessie is quickly selected by the designer to close the runway show, a very prestigious position. As the runway show begins, she has another neon dream experience, seeing her reflection in which she kisses. After the show, Jessie debuts her new leveled-up self with Dean, much to Gigi's dismay. Designer Roberto Sarno asks Dean to give his opinion on Gigi's looks, to which he replies that she's fine. Roberto agrees and proceeds to sing Jessie's praises instead. At this point, even Jessie knows the other girls want to be her. Later that night, Jessie has a nightmare in which the motel owner sneaks into her room and sticks a knife in her mouth. When she awakens, her room is nearly entered forcibly by the motel manager, who makes his way to the room next door. Hearing the upsetting noise of a young girl being attacked next door, Jessie takes up Ruby's offer and goes to stay with her. Ruby is supposedly house-sitting a mansion and insists that it's okay for Jessie to stay over. At first seemingly sweet, Ruby becomes aggressive with Jessie and attempts to make a sexual advance on her, in which Jessie stops. In a disturbing display, Ruby, who also works putting makeup on dead bodies, acts out a sexual fantasy of Jessie on a corpse. Jessie, still at the mansion, wanders the halls and puts on a flowy blue dress that's been laid out for her. When Ruby returns to the house, she finds Jessie standing on the diving board over the empty swimming pool, narcissistically exclaiming that she knows that all the other girls want to look like her. Jessie enters the house, notices Gigi, and asks, Are we having a party? When she's surprisingly attacked by Sarah with a punch to the face. A chase through the house ensues with each girl brandishing a knife. 
When Jessie is surrounded by the edge of the pool, she falls backwards into the empty deep end, left broken and writhing. We cut to the three women having just supposedly bathed in Jessie's blood. Ruby, laying naked in the moonlight, seems to ejaculate a fountain of blood from her. You know. Flash forward, Sarah and Gigi drive to a Malibu mansion where Gigi is to have a photo shoot with Jack. As Gigi gets her hair and makeup done, she begins to show signs of being ill. When Sarah is asked by the other model in the shoot if she's ever been screwed out of a job by another girl and what she did to her, she simply responds, I ate her. As the photo shoot commences, Jack is not happy with the other model in the shoot, fires her, and immediately is drawn to Sarah. He recruits her for the shoot instead. As Gigi and Sarah pose, Gigi's unable to continue and runs off the set and into the restroom. When Sarah checks on her, Gigi vomits Jessie's eyeball on the carpet and begins to shriek that she needs to get Jessie out of her. She stabs herself in the stomach with a pair of scissors as Sarah watches on. Still, Sarah kneels down, picks up Jessie's eye, and swallows it whole. As the credits roll, Sarah walks through a desert landscape as the sun sets. The end. Okay, we definitely have a lot to talk about with this movie. Oh, for sure. What's interesting about this movie is because I think people think this movie is superficial. Yes. I read a review that said, all style, no substance. Right, which, I mean, I get, I, in a way, yes. But I feel like maybe that's on purpose. Yeah, Isn't- it, 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 yeah it plays into what the neon demon is, which is superficiality, narcissism, vanity, um, yeah. So yeah, I mean it is because it's a very beautiful film and it does, you know, tell that story. I think what what could have been done is more editing, just to tighten up those slower sure. scenes and maybe just shorten those moments of on the runway and the club and you know things like right. that that could have just streamlined the storytelling a little bit. Sure. Um, yeah, I, I do think this movie sacrifices storytelling for visuals, which. I mean, I guess maybe in a in a movie about something that is so visual, like is it is that on purpose? Yeah. Is that you know, like I remember like watching this movie for the first time and being like, Where's this going? And then being super surprised at the end. And then right. I and then now that I watched it again, I'm like, I, now I do see it coming. Like I'm like, Oh yeah, there's all these things that give you clues as to what's gonna happen. Like when they ask her, Are you food or are you sex? Oh yeah, there's lots of mention of food. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> about yeah, they're like wink, wink. We are he- going to eat her eventually, which you know, <laughs> I th- I think it's kind of fun. Like you know, hearing like watching it back again and seeing these moments where they reference things like eating her and food and um, yeah, especially especially considering the fact that you know people make fun of models because they say they don't eat. They don't eat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they eat people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so what do you, what are some of your like favorite themes of the film? Like, what do you, what would you say? I love, I watched that document, that, not the documentary. I watched that interview that you sent me, um, where they kind of talked about, and I thought one of the most interesting points they brought up was beauty as a class system in the age of Instagram, pretty much. Totally. Like designing a whole life for yourself and living out and just kind of being like that idea is more horrific than the actual horror scenes themselves like the yeah. idea of like if you're not beautiful then you're not it that you're never gonna have yeah. anything of course i mean that is definitely what happens in our in, this instagram culture that we live in now yeah 
vanity is acceptable these days. Oh my gosh, it's like something to strive for. Yeah, getting to a point where you're so beautiful that like you know it. <laughs> right, and it, and also like just being so beautiful becomes um, like a way, a lifestyle and a career now. Like you can mm-hmm. literally become famous just by posting Instagram pictures and being hot and gorgeous sitting on a, a yacht in the middle of fucking Greece yeah. or something. All of a sudden your your worth goes up. Your Right. It's which your self worth and your worth in the world and what you can provide to the world. And it's it always the the influencer thing is always like really like crazy to me because I'm like these people are just regular people like you know this is what I do when I wake up in the mornings I'm like I don't give a fuck bitch you're there's nothing <laughs> exceptional about you <laughs> yeah and then but there's also this thing of where they're also selling something to you yes. you know what I'm saying it's it's like it's Dieties. it's supposed yeah it's like <laughs> vanity it's all about how you look but it's also still about consumerism and selling a product. You're just selling. a marketing tool. Yeah. yeah. And, Which right. is and what the fashion kind of industry crazy. is all about. And I, and I thought that this movie did a really good job displaying these models as a sort of marketing tool and how they need this like they they this is how they this is how they get their worth and when something threatens that what do you do like what do right. you do do you totally. kill the threat <laughs> yeah or do, yeah do you eat it up um, yeah <laughs> and I, and uh, one thing i really liked that um that nicholas winding Refn says i hope i'm saying his name right um mm. is that it, there's a such a difference in how I know generationally. How, how do I say this? Oh, yes. Um, about narcissism. This idea of narcissism that back in the day, I guess maybe in his generation, it was you. You can't. You couldn't be narcissistic without you know being frowned upon. Like narcissism was not something to strive for. It's about being humble and oh, I don't know, I'm beautiful. But now right. we have in our culture we are taught the opposite we are told by you know by the media by music by instagram to you know to be narcissistic to love yourself which it which in a way is a positive message but also to have confidence yeah to have confidence but humility but humility is sort (laughs) of being thrown out the window yeah in a sense you know because and because we have such inspirational artists say like i like who comes to my mind first is something like lizzo you know, right. Lizzo, you know, her, her message is about loving yourself, loving your body, no matter what body positive. Yeah. And, um, which is great. And I, I think we need artists like that to encourage that because I think there's a lot of problem with self-esteem in this Instagram culture. Mm-hmm. We're all, we're constantly indoctrinated with, you know, Instagram models and shit every five seconds on yeah. social media. And, but also, but then it's also kind of, creating this narcissistic yeah young generation it is you know i kind of feel like it started when i was you know reading into this the meaning of these things i kind of thought about the myspace days and how um someone like jeffree star who's you know a very controversial figure but like who made songs literally about being vain and beautiful and this and that and literally has taken off and now he's running a makeup empire and it's yeah, like he's a beauty guru now wow like, yeah. i'm like how far we've come but i remember being 
the like that scene kid era i remember it being so much yeah. about aesthetic and i feel like since then it's only been built up more and more um because you get to be the model now like you're the model you're the marketing tool everyone has a yeah, chance absolutely yeah a- anybody can make it just as long as you're beautiful which, yeah oh, god <laughs> and you know i love the movie this movie because of the how vicious the the industry is and not just in modeling but like that industry hollywood you know if we if you will um, yeah. and those kind of like vicious models i love that the violence in this one is centered around women like doing it to each other because i think that there's a an aggressiveness behind women like you know like like a passionate act like you know they're very sure. passionate entities and so to me it's like it makes it that much more effective sure and I, I i think one thing that was interesting when i listened to an interview where somebody had asked or the interviewer had asked um nicholas i'll call him nick <laughs> um nick about you know oh like you you've been you're known for making these incredible like violent films like drive or um the other one with ryan gosling what's it called like only god can judge me or only something god like that. forgives us or something. oh yeah something like that whatever and he was like and and I'm thinking about it, I'm like, but this movie is really violent. It only gets, like, physically violent towards the end of the film, really. Yeah. But honestly, it's, like, the it's the psychological warfare. Yeah. The way women. The way the women are treated. Even not by just each other, but by the industry and by the men in the story. And uh, by the men in the story, which I do find them to be sort of inconsequential, but they are, con- they do contribute to, um really kind of violent things yeah they also contribute to the self-image of the of the girls especially Gigi yeah so the, her character really affected right. by what other people have to say about her she's like oh, I went in for this and yes. I ended up a new person <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely um so so the girls in the story each one of these characters the characters like Sarah, Gigi, and Ruby, who are these model... Well, two of them are models. Sarah and Gigi are models, and Ruby is a makeup artist in the industry. Well, and Ruby wants to kind of take Jesse under her wing. Which and, we realize uh, is for her own pleasure. Which is for... Yes, which is for her she's own... sexually uh, attracted you know, to her. Se- yes, her own crazy benefit. But um, Sarah, Sarah and Gigi are very threatened. They're threatened it's by their Jesse. competition. And I do like that that they all sort of represent something in like a different kind of beauty. Yes. Um, and so Sarah, played by Abby Lee, gorgeous. Um, I can't, I can't even get over how beautiful she is. <laughs> um, she embodies a sort of natural beauty. Like she is not manufactured. She, um, that's the beauty she represents. Like she, on the outward, on the outside, she is incredibly beautiful. Um, Gigi represents artificial beauty. Yes. So she has done work in order to try to manufacture her beauty to create it. Yeah. And then Ruby represents inner beauty. So she's she sees Jesse's like inner beauty, and um, you know her job is to make the outside match. Yes. You know? Yeah. And so I like I like that each of these girls have a representation of the beauty industry. Yeah. And how all those things sort of contribute to like violence yeah. or like 
and even they talk about um, Jesse's character about the horror of her character also with her beauty is the innocence and how yeah. you know the freshness and the young ingenues like they're kind of like they get younger and younger and younger and that's scary <laughs> to think yeah exactly yes definitely and and I think that's maybe one of the biggest uh, thesis points of this movie is this that uh, the beauty standard is getting younger yeah you know and it's like what would these other women do who are involved in this industry what would they do to get what she has eater and which is literally yeah and, <laughs> and you know in, in in this version of it in this sort of um heightened version of reality that's what they do they they need to physically consume her in order to um sort of steal her her power yeah uh, which works for sarah at least right yeah it does and it, yeah exactly it does work it it not only works for sarah but it backfires on Gigi, which is really interesting yeah um get, wonder why it backfires on her and um nick director nick mm-hmm. um explained that it's because she does try to manufacture her own okay. beauty and that's something that you can't do it's it's impossible to technically manufacture beauty maybe physically but i don't know maybe in like an existential sense of it like you can't manufacture it if you don't have it or something like that and so because she's manufactured her beauty and then tried to consume jesse it, it just doesn't didn't go take. okay yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 something like that so it backfires on her it, it works for sarah though who spends the movie um quote feeling like a ghost yeah she doesn't have and, that thing um, that jesse has Right, exactly. But then after she eats Jesse, she's able to find that again in her and she starts having success. Like, you know, that photographer yeah. Jack notices her at that final and photo even shoot. Even the way and- she looks afterward. Like, I'm like, I don't know if they intentionally oh. did that, but how, like, icy and polished and, like, beautiful. She almost looks CGI, like, at the end. Like she's so yeah, I mean, ethereal she's, looking. I'm like, whoa. Yeah. That's just in general. That no, she's so she's so stunning. beautiful. I, I mean, and even like what? watching the movie, I'm like, you know, everyone's gorgeous in their own way, but I'm like, for her to be threatened by Elle Fanning's character, I'm like, uh, right? Does this work? I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing about Elle Fanning. I don't. Uh, I think. They exist on different planes as far as like beauty standards. Yes. I feel like I wouldn't ever consider Elle Fanning hot. Or a supermodel. Or sexy. But I would say that about Abby Lee. I would say she is hot, she's sexy, and she's also, you know, beautiful. Um but I feel like Elle Fanning has that thing. And I again, I can only go by what I've seen on shit like America's Next Top Model. But she has that <laughs> uniqueness. She has that that weird, unique model yes. thing. That you know, whenever you're watching that show and you're like, "This girl, I don't get it." The one that gets found in the mall, yeah, and she's gorgeous, yes, yeah, yes, and and somehow like she's so plain and whatever, and then they take pictures of her, and you're like, "Oh, you're like, oh I, I get, get it. it, I see it, I see it, yeah, yeah." I I personally see that in. Elle Fanning. I'm like, oh, like when she sort of evolves in this movie, especially when she oh. um, 
after she does that first runway. And she closes the and show and she transitions. Yeah, she closes the show. And yeah, she's fully now as like the bad bitch supermodel. Yes. Like, I'm like, oh. The way she like, looks it, it, after the show when they're at when they're at dinner or whatever. I'm like, yes. wow. Ooh. Yeah. That is a fire. That's look when you too. see it. I'm like her hair, her makeup, everything is stunning. And yeah. to think that she's actually 16 years old in this while she was filming this movie, I'm like, damn. Like she did. Yeah. I think she did an awesome job playing this role. I think that yeah, she she has the right amount of like fragility and on on ingenuity. Yeah, she's like I believe her as being like the innocent, doughy, dewy eyed, whatever, fresh ingenue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Totally. The deer in the headlights. I think, yeah, and I think that her, I do think that maybe her age, I don't know. I mean, I'm assuming this had to be done intentionally, but had to do with like, I don't know, maybe like the sexualization of like young girls yeah, in the industry. For sure. Because that, that is something that I noticed throughout this movie that is sort of an uncomfortable thing. Mm-hmm. But I, and, and I have to sit there and think, like, is this. A conscious choice, or I mean, it has to it be. It has right? to be. Like, yeah. Well, originally, I think Carrie Mulligan was cast, right? As, which, which would change it completely because she's thirteen years older than Elle Fanning. She's she's old as hell. She would have been twenty nine. I'm like, what? Right. And <laughs> and from what I recall, I mean, I don't like as far as what this movie is trying to portray. I don't think she has like the the classic supermodel like stats you know what i mean I, she's like a she's more of like a cur like i don't know short cur- curvy girl right i maybe not like super curvy but she's, she's not like i don't see her in this role period right right and it, right and i don't and i'm not i'm not like criticizing her no body, right? I, yeah as far as like just, uh, she doesn't have that like she definitely doesn't she, have yeah, what l fanning has which is right it, exactly know. well i mean just like for the character for the character I mean, yeah like, yeah like I wouldn't I don't know so I'm I think they definitely made a good decision in going with somebody like Elle Fanning and I think that it it contributed to a whole um sort of critique in the story that wouldn't have well, that happened whole had factor Carrie played the people part people preying on youth you know right yeah. yes which is which is crazy and like some some of it's really strange I was like thinking about it because it's like okay there's that scene because it's mostly the men let's the you know the men in this movie sort of but then also it's like it's not just the men so like the like i'm thinking like of course keanu reeves character right. has like some really really rapey vibes um he even like makes some really off comments about another girl in his motel complex who is i think supposed who, to be 13 yeah who, which is, so like there's there's already that and he he really represents that sort of creepy male violence you know violence yeah um, and then there's the boyfriend, um, or the quote unquote boyfriend, I guess. Dean. The, um, what is it? Yes, Dean. Mm-hmm. And he he's supposed to like represent normality. Yeah. But or, or like normalcy is that I don't know whichever one of those words it is. I think it's normalcy. Normal. Anyway, Normani. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, I think that even he kind of uses her too because he wants he. I think he knows she has something special, so he agrees to photograph her to you know for her portfolio. Sure. But then he's more concerned about his how his images were perceived by the people that she's having these meetings with more so than her actual career. I'm like, right, okay, totally. Sure. 
And also, she's 16 years old and he is much older than she is. And like, I'm like, okay, so like how, what is the sense of normalcy in that? Like, I, I don't personally see that. That seems like another sort of red flag. Like, ugh, that's yeah. kind of, you know, an uncomfy situation. But then, um, so that's just the man. Oh, even, okay, then there's the character of Jack, the photographer. Oh. Who, I was like, oh my God, that here he is sort of sexualizing this young girl and making her get naked at this photo yeah, shoot. Off your shirt. Which is underage. Yeah, but then he doesn't know that she's underage. She's been... She's she, 19. She's, she's 19, uh, but she's old for her age. Um, <laughs> I'm just born to be bad. But then I realized, I was like, but that's not his fault. That's the fault of Christina Hendricks's character, right. who is the head of the modeling agency who tells this young 16-year-old girl to tell these men that she is 19 years old. Yeah. And it's sort of that weird, creepy, like, I don't know how much you know about this, but like the Jeffrey Epstein thing, it's like the, the, the pedophile kind of so ring that, that had a fee, had a female accomplice. Yeah. You know, Ghislaine, whatever, Maxwell, whatever the fuck her name is. Yes. Um, and I was like, Ooh, this is kind of the same situation in my mind. This is like Christina Hendricks character sort of, um, being an accomplice to the, you know, the sexualization of these really of these young, young girls. girls. And, yeah. Right. And that, and that sort of makes me kind of, it's cringy. But, yeah. But again, but again, is this a critique? Is, are these things that actually happen in the industry? Totally. Probably. Totally. I, you know, I've read so many stories about those child stars, especially in the eighties, but I'm sure it still happens today yeah. about how, poorly treated they are and how they're molested and raped by other actors oh, and God. producers and directors and I'm like and I believe that that happens 100% because there's I mean, too hello, much Harvey Weinstein. and there's so much coming out about it now that it's like it's almost like it's a normal thing and now it's being you know talked about and exposed but it's like people have been knowing about this shit all along and so this isn't a foreign sort of idea I think they even go younger and that's disgusting and it's very disturbing and I think it's one of the more yeah. horrific points that the uh, movie makes yeah totally yeah I just said it just now about Harvey Weinstein like these are this is probably just the tip that's like the tip of the iceberg in my mind like there has to be so much more going on in that industry with the Um, kids the kids it's like it's so cringy to think about these horrible these horrible things that happen to these kids in Hollywood it's like just beyond but then we get a little bit deeper into the people who pray in the movie with Ruby she's such a layered Mm -hmm. character um so weird so weird so weird Jenna Malone does a really great job she does yeah yeah, one thing I found interesting about her character, I mean, the most infamous thing about her character is obviously that really s- disturbing scene where she full on uh, molests the a dead body. <laughs> yeah. Which is like, what? And uh, one, oh, sorry, they're coming to get me. <laughs> the sexy police. <laughs> ah, just kidding. Hey, we can be narcissists now. Yeah, okay? it's totally fine. One of the interesting things about this film is that it was shot in sequential order. Yes. You know, so, but this particular scene where Ruby has this moment with this dead body Oof. was actually filmed earlier on in, in the um, in the filming process because they needed, or they couldn't go back to that place. 
Like they only have, okay. they could only schedule it That's for a certain a time. Right. And um, one of the things that they said about shooting the movie in sequential order was that this movie was like always changing. Yes. It was literally, it was literally like a, like a create your own adventure story. They would, apparently. they kind of just sort of had the script, but then they would just improvise. Right. And, new yeah, and he would ask, he would ask the actors, um, the director would ask the actors what they wanted to do today. Or like, you know, it just, I think it's a really cool way to make a yeah, movie. Yeah, in a really collaborative way. And I think they really responded to that. So in this scene, originally she was just supposed to kiss the dead body. But then um, Nicholas Winding Refn being a, I don't know, being a, a crazy... Um, Upping, know, wanting to extreme, make it extreme. Extreme, yeah. yes. Extremist. Yeah. Um, <laughs> told her to spit in its mouth or in the, in the corpse's mouth and then just went full on and then you know the scene escalated and they said that as soon as the the scene they like wrapped or they cut the camera they're like we've done it we found our our villain i was like oh that's that's sort of an interesting thing that it took that to like figure out the character and i was like well why is that so i was looking it up and i guess he says that as grotesque as the scene is he also finds it very sad. Yeah, it <laughs> like, is. It's like pathetic. It's so pathetic. <laughs> it's like, wow, It's fucking girl. sad as fuck. And I was like, oh, you know, that's actually a perspective. I actually didn't think about it until reading that. I was like, oh, yeah, that is actually really fucking sad. Yeah, but. because she's just been rejected by Jesse. And now she visualizes this corpse being Jesse and like she's seeing Jesse kind of like touching herself and putting makeup on in the mirror and I'm like ew you know it's ew. it's so disturbing but it 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 does give it does open your eyes to who Ruby really is because this whole time you kind of think that she's just helping protect this girl but it's like but for right. her own interests she wants to keep her innocent yeah, she so motives. she can get to her yeah and it's like, ew, I don't know. It, it really does change yeah. your outlook of the character. And you're like, whoa. I, you know, it right. totally changes how you view her. Yeah. And she's sort of the leader of this, you know, supermodel pack. She uh, she leads the ceremony in the end where they attack Jesse and end up eating her. And bathing in and her then, blood. And bathing in her blood, which I do love that scene. I think it's a really great um, callback to Carrie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the shower, totally. and I mean, the, the, the shower and the blood, yeah. and um, which I really like. But then there's that one scene that I still can't figure out: is the scene where Jenna Malone's Ruby is naked and, and bathing in the moonlight. And she's like bathing in the moonlight, and then just a fucking waterfall of blood just comes out or who so i know i was confused about that too because i when i was watching it i said what does ruby get out of it because we know what the other two girls kind of the, the outcome is but i'm like what her being the leader what does she get out of it so i read um kind of like a synopsis of the film and they said you know ruby in the moonlight ejaculates blood and i'm like oh i'm like well maybe that's that was her like a part, consuming her part of consuming jesse was maybe to fulfill that sexual satisfaction or that, oh my God. that kind of yeah, like se- because I'm like oh, she's coming she's coming blood <laughs> so I'm like maybe that's what her purpose is this is what Nicholas Winding reference said he said Jenna Malone's character who initiates this whole ceremony of beauty menstruates again has something flowing through her 
Yeah. I, so, I mean, I, I guess, yeah, I that's think it's true. the sexual like, satisfaction that she wanted from Jesse. I think that's what she gets out of doing that. And I think that's when, why you see that blood. I don't even think it's her blood. I think it might be like Jesse's blood. Oh my God. Just she like, like turkey based herself with it. I'm like, I don't know. I don't <laughs> I know. know. It's, it's that scene. That's always like the one scene. I'm like, <laughs> another one scene. She like fucked a. I can't believe she like fucked a corpse, and that's the one I'm like, oh my god, ew. I know, I know, because you don't understand. Like you're like, what's going on? Like yeah, how like, what wait, happened? What? But I think that's also a very telling scene as to what they are, because it almost it's very witchy in its vibe. Right. Like you know the they moonlight. Do seem like a little coven. Yeah, it's like the moonlight and then the blood coming out of her vagina, and then also like the scenes that they show Ruby in in the dirt, which I'm assuming is where they buried her bones or, or something she, yeah. <laughs> what was left yeah. um <laughs> and she's kind of just like reading like flipping through. i'm like she's a witch like uh, that's what i'm viewing her as as a witch right and she has those and she sort of has like strange tattoos yes like, uh, even around her nipples know. i was like oh my god yeah tender, yeah are those real uh, i, I hope not they're not very i'll, cu- cute. I'll call i'll call jenna and okay ask yeah her. ask her get back to us <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> And the other two girls, I'm not sure how invested they are in this ritual, but I mean, they play their part because they want something out of it. But I'm like, maybe I think Ruby might be the only one who's truly, who truly knows what she's doing. And I think she's the one who maybe told them we can do this and it'll help you and it'll help me. Yeah. And we'll get it done. Totally. Yeah. She's definitely the, she's definitely the ringleader of this. Yeah. Yeah. Because the other girls don't really have any like witchy vibes um, especially Gigi she's so, so superficial I'm like uh, being a witch a requires like, a lot of depth which which she has none yeah <laughs> she has literally none um yeah that's true I love what I my know, favorite so, Gigi moment though actually is when she's talking you know vapid shallow things and she's like you know this show and then she goes I don't know about the makeup for this one though and then she turns to the mirror and she's like a <laughs> <Yeah>. clown <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know about the makeup this year. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, what would you say is your favorite scene in this film? My favorite scene is the ending. Like the actual, the the last oh, moments totally. of the film where they, Gigi and Sarah are doing that photo shoot for Jack. And Gigi's mm. getting really sick. And she then <laughs> goes back. She goes into the house away from the photo shoot. And she throws up a pile of blood with an eyeball in it. And then she's like, I have to get her out of me. Like, yeah, it's not working. It's not taking. And she grabs the scissors and just tears her stomach open and dies. And then um, Abby Lee's character, Sarah, just sort of watches her. And she's like, and and there's no emotion. And she kind of just, after she watches her die, her lip kind of goes up a little bit. And she's like, uh. yeah. And then she just picks up the eyeball and eats it. And that look on her face is really demented. And I think it's really yeah. effective. Um I really w- and it, that whole the whole ending from Jesse's murder to the very last moment of the film is right. Is the, that's when the action ramps that's, up. That's when like, like the movie. I'm like God. I wish that this aesthetic and this theme and these sort of w- was present throughout the entire film. Um, right. I think I I think that what's great about that moment is that the movie does sort of become. Kind of campy at that point. There was these these bitches are punching each other in the face yeah. and throwing up eyeballs, and <laughs> yeah. uh, you know that's when the movie sort of takes like a campy turn, which of course I love and we and love. it's juxtaposed and, um, with like the the fabulous getups and the makeup yeah, the and fabulous, hair. Yeah, they look amazing. There's like a fucking 
like what Nicholas Winding Refn says is that he, um, by the end, the movie turns into a perfume ad. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, she's like driving through the, you know, during the credits, she's like driving through the, the desert. desert. Her hair is, yeah. yeah. Her hair is blowing. And he's like, and they ask him like, why did you do that? And he's like, well, because that's how I shoot perfume commercials. Cause that's how he, that's what he was yeah. doing before this. Um, which I thought was interesting. And what a, what an eye for, yeah. for this type of movie to have a director totally. who used to do fashion right. campaigns. Totally. And speaking of eye, one of the interesting things about this movie is that they, they started out with Elle Fanning's eye. That's the very first shot of this film. And it, and it, uh, you zooms know, out. takes, it, it, it zooms out. And, um, but then this movie also ends with her eye mm. coming out on of, the floor and <laughs> right. Which was like, which is something purposeful. Um, he, uh, Nicholas Winding Refn said that he wanted to, um, sort of bookend the film without bring it full circle with Jesse's eye. Except for this time yeah. it was on the floor by itself being eaten by Abby Lee, which I thought was kind of yeah, fun. Yeah, which is really fun. Of- and you know, the little tidbit that I read about this movie is that Elle Fanning on the, in the opening shot was standing there for so long that her contact burned onto her eye from the, oh, from the lights. <laughs> Jesus. Like she Christ, was laying there ouch. without blinking, like trying to stay as still as possible. And her contacts burned onto her eyes. I'm like, could you, that sounds the shit you fucking. <laughs> she must have had a fucking time because apparently Abby Lee actually Punch, punched her yes. in the face. <laughs> <I read> that. <laughs> and they, that's the take they used because her reaction was obviously genuine. Yeah, like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> These bitches are really going to kill me. <laughs> Seriously. They're like, yeah, we decided they were actually going to kill Elle Fanning. Yeah. So, um, um, action. The <laughs> moment I'm most confused by in this movie is the wa- the, the mountain lion. Right. Uh, I read a theory that ha- somebody said that it might be Ruby. Right. That's what I read too. That it was like, it was one of them. But also, I also read one that said that um, the mountain lion maybe was a representation of her, her like her leaving the back door open and letting the monsters inside, mm. like unknowingly. Like maybe that was the metaphor. It was like a monster, and she. I don't yeah, know. I also read I one know. that was like, it's just like it's pre- everything's out to get her. <laughs> I'm like, okay, <laughs> all right, sure. I like it. I like. I like the idea of maybe it being like Ruby, you know, like kind of like. Yeah, I mean, I it might be. That might be it. That would be cool. Like she's like an like she's an animal. Like she's a she can like transform. Yeah, and... she's a shapeshifter, like in the Craft Legacy. Oh my god! <laughs> like an animorph. Don't bring that shit in. Here. <laughs> I'm not an animorph. Oh my god! I used to love those books only because I the love covers. the covers. Yeah, that transition of becoming a yes, an like, animal, Ooh, a, a bat. Yeah, I love that one. <laughs> that. So, what's um, your what are your what's your highlight from this movie? So, my favorite part of this movie, I love the scenes of dialogue between whenever like all the models are like like. Sarah and Gigi are together. Um, but my favorite one is that first bathroom scene when at the party, they invite <laughs> Jesse to a party. And I love the conversation about, about lipstick or like red makeup rum. being either. Yeah. Red rum, either being food, like women respond to makeup. That's named after food or sex. Yes. I think that, and she's all, what'd she say? She's like, uh, she says like different ones. And then, um, I love when Gigi goes, pink pussy I like, <laughs> I, I like that one but yeah I like that whole 
because it's really good at establishing who all these characters are because Gigi has like a full on, you know, rant about um, how much work she's had done and how she's called the bionic woman by her plastic surgeon. And that's a great little moment when she's like, yeah, he calls me the bionic woman. She, he's is, as a compliment. And, and she goes, I yeah. heard your parents are dead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's so weird because I think people see these conversations, like especially because the cadence is so weird because it's very stiff, but it's almost like to me, that's it, almost like a, it's a, a like as if like stiff yes, model like a mannequin kind of, like robot ro- yeah like roboticness is like on purpose yeah like within because how they're speaking to each other it's all shallow it's all almost every shot of this movie aside from when she's reacting to normalcy like like Keanu Reeves character and Dean and you know those moments they're not really but at any other moment in the film you can capture it and it could be a fashion campaign Oh, yeah. There's so many shots in this movie where they're just completely still, and it looks like yeah. a photo. Yeah, uh, when Abby Lee's in the back, that scene, Abby Lee looks stunning in that. She looks stunning throughout the whole stunning. movie, but that scene in particular is like when we first see her, and I'm like, ugh, what an yeah. intro. Gorgeous. Gorgeous. And I love her part in that, too, where, where we establish that her character is only concerned about who um, Jesse's fucking. Yeah. Who are you fucking? Yeah. <laughs> like, who are you, you know, fucking? <laughs> Yeah, and she's like so aggressive, and she's just threatened by her right mm-hmm. away. Yeah, um, I I think that's a good. One. And then we and we see how like you know sweet Ruby is, and how she you know puts little makeup on her. Like it's just a really good establishing moment. I really love that scene. And then I also really love the scene of them sitting at the diner. Or sorry, not sitting at the diner. I do yeah. like that scene. Um, but I also like the second bathroom scene where oh, um, Sarah. Sarah smashes the, she smashes the window or it's not the window the mirror <laughs> and Jesse comes in because she heard the noise and she sees Abby Lee or you know sort of staring at her and like wondering what it is and why they love and her so much closer. and then she yeah she gets closer and then Jesse um, puts her hand on a piece of glass and then um, Abby Lee tries to eat the, yeah, the blood. Yeah, she's like, "Stop!" <laughs> yeah, what? Well, and and so that's kind of telling too, because I'm like, the, the, clearly they've done this before, right? Right. No, totally. <laughs> so yeah, either they've done it before, or it's something that they've been talking about. Like they they've been planning this moment. I also thought it was interesting because I thought it was like, is this supposed to be a commentary about the fact that women have their most in depth conversations in the bathroom with each Ooh, other? Maybe. <laughs> you know, there there's like there's like that little that you know that thing about girls always meeting other women in the bathroom and having like intense conversations or you know I was like that's funny that both of these scenes take place in a bathroom you would never know that this movie was written by a man I I don't think I think it's really well done I think because of the input of the of the actresses um and and they're so much involved in the storytelling as well that you really get that female perspective out of it which I think is cool right one of the things we didn't even mention was the colors of the film what a oh, gorgeous movie. Oh my gosh. This movie is so vibrant and beautiful and the colors are insane and which is so funny because Nicholas Winding Refn is colorblind. Yeah, that's which is why the colors which are all, so great because of the con- he can see contrast and primary colors. Right. 
Right, and so he, they have to be loud. They have to be bright in order for him to be able to recognize them. And so I think that really adds to this movie. I love like the dreamy neon. I mean, it's called the Neon Demon. Right. Of course, we're going to love it. Just look at our Instagram. <laughs> no, we are but, Neon uh, Demons. Know, <laughs> we, we literally are Neon Demons. And um, I just love, I think it has this really beautiful, hazy, dreamlike quality. And I love the neon. I love the, the symbolism be- yes. b- behind the colors. I loved, uh, I actually read about one of the scenes having this dreamlike filter over it was actually the director of photography used the grease from her unwashed hair to, <laughs> to kind of like smudge up the lens. I'm like that is a resourceful professional. I'm like wow, and and it works so well. And I'm like, what? Yeah, totally. Uh, what? A, it's just awesome. Like it. I think it sounds like it was a really cool creative, set to be sure. on, for sure. Totally. And they, yeah. And he said that they didn't have any money to pay the crew, so. Mm. <laughs> It was a uh, it was a collaborative effort. They had a su- he, had, he had a suggestion box where he allowed the crew to um, decide what was going to happen in this film, which and is you know I don't I, know that sounds like an all inclusive. Yeah, I don't know experience. how much of it was true what he was saying, but he said a lot of them were Abby Lee nude. <laughs> oh my I'm god! Like, I know. <laughs> I want. I she is a beauty that needs to be preserved. We don't need to see her like that. Just look at her. Seriously. <laughs> uh, and I will say um, another one of my absolute favorite things about this movie is Abby Lee's performance. I think it's a, I think it's so intense, and not only is she like stunningly beautiful, but she, you know, for an, a model turned actress, I think she's really good. Yeah. And uh, and you know, and she's booking like crazy. I mean, she was in Mad yes. Max, Theory she Road, was, um, great. She was yeah, she was great in that. But now she's in Lovecraft Country, which I haven't seen more than the first episode. But I'm I would love to see. I she, she's like the villain in oh, it. I think, I'm pretty sure. I mean, come on. And um, right, absolutely. And so I'm sure she's probably great in that. I have to keep on watching because she's Dang. barely in, she's barely in the first episode. Dang. Oh my god, something's the, going on over there. The sec <laughs> the sexy police is back. So yeah, I I really love Abby Lee. I really hope she keeps booking and um, mm-hmm. we see more of her because I think she's probably more than just a super like superficial yeah. model type i, I think I she's think she great talent. yeah and, uh, yeah i think the performance of all the girls in this movie are what really pushes along the storytelling and like i said i the only my only issue with this movie is the pacing i really wish they just had streamlined sure. the ideas and really built the story up to where it goes in the end um, right, but otherwise, totally. yeah, it, there are there there are, there are some moments that definitely drop, yeah, and um, yeah, yeah, it, where it sort of becomes more about like a fashion show than it does about the storytelling, which is fine to a point, yeah. but then you're like, okay, but now what? I know I even yeah. love the lettering so. of the the title card, like that sort of Revlon font, yeah, <laughs> yeah, so, that's hilarious, yeah. yeah. Totally. I love this movie is just it's a great metaphor for. Going to Hollywood as a fresh young ingenue, getting eaten up and spit out. <laughs> getting fucking eaten alive. No, totally. I, I do really love this movie. I've actually, I actually tend to put this movie on when I'm like needing to relax or like go to sleep or something because it's so Soft. dreamlike yeah. and like the, and the school and the score oh. is so hypnotic, oh, hypnotic and dreamy. Is a perfect word for this movie in general. And um, yeah, totally. And I just, I just let it play and then I fucking fall asleep. Um, I know. I really love it. I think it's really, a ple- it's like a pleasant watch. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. 
Well, I think that does it. Be I think goodbye. that does it. Please Sweet screams. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, but so yeah, check out the Neon Demon. It's a good one. I approve. I think you approve. Oh, I right? do for sure. I I think it. I think it's worth a, a first watch and a second watch. Absolutely. Totally. Before we go, we wanted to um, do a few shameless plugs, ah. if we could. Um, so the first one being our Halloween special. I know it's hard because. Halloween's technically over. Yeah, but for horror fans, spooky season is every season. If you're listening to this, I'm assuming that you keep spooky season going all the time. 345 so. days a year. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, December, we take a break. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so definitely go check it out. I promise you're going to like it. The feedback that we've gotten on it already has been nothing short of Amazing. spectacular yes and um everybody's been so nice about it and i think you'll really like it i, I do too. just give it a chance because it has a little bit of everything it has a little bit of just you know podcast convo and it has some other things in it too there's a little bit of song there's a little bit of acting it's a it's a musical spectacular it's a, totally it's, it's that's what it is it's a musical Absolutely. Have you ever yeah, heard a podcast like a music musical episode? Uh, I think not. <laughs> think Sonny and Cher meets Saturday Night Live. <laughs> you know, meets, I don't know, something else like Elvira. Yeah, you know. but yeah, totally. That was definitely the vibe we were going for. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then the second thing we'd like to plug is our brand new Patreon, which is available to sign up for now. Yes. There are four tiers to choose from, ranging from... The Love Witch to the, the Sandwich. The Sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> There's four tiers: The Love Witch, uh, The Living Dead of Beverly Hills, The Vampire Slayer, and Scream Queen. And each of them have so many great things that we're trying to offer you. Um, and our, November is going to be the first month of our Patreon, so that's when our bonus episodes will be coming out we're going to be doing mm -hmm. uh, hear the talking queers non-horror episode which for november will be saved Hi. yes the mandy moore classic yes and we're also doing a bonus fear the talking queers episode and for november we'll be doing bride of chucky yes <laughs> and um and then we're doing a horror commentary and our first horror commentary will be Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Yes, which is great. I mean, we've already done it, and I think it's great. I think you guys will enjoy listening along with us. We, I um, almost think we're funnier watching a movie than talking about the <laughs> movie. <laughs> oh, uh, probably. Uh, I don't know how many times we talk about Dick and <laughs> that commentary. <laughs> yeah, so if you like to hear us talk about Dick... Um, <laughs> Yeah, definitely sign up for our Patreon for that Elvira episode. Yes. You can find that at patreon.com slash fear the talking queers, right? Yeah. That's where yeah. that's all okay. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, straight. That's forward. where to find it. Yeah. And um if you follow us on Instagram, um our the link is in the bio. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Everything you find is right there on our Instagram. So please follow us if you are a new listener. Um, at Fear the Talking Queers on Instagram. And you can send us an email at Fear the Talking Queers at gmail.com. Um, you can follow us on Twitter. Again, we don't really use Twitter, but um, you can follow us. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. 
Oh my gosh, yes, and we will shout you out. We love a good Apple Podcast review. I know, especially um, when they hype us up. <laughs> yes, exactly. Remember Spooky Susan? Oh, she was great. Or he is <laughs> yeah, Susan. Like- Spooky Susan. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, um, everybody, go check out the Neon Demon. It's on Amazon Prime. Yes, if you got that, Amazon Prime. It stays there because they uh, they own. This oh, that's movie, right. So. I was like, oh, it's available on Amazon Prime. I wonder why. Because it's an Amazon Amazon Studios film. Oh. Um, yeah, so go check it out. And, and you'll see us next week for my birthday episode. Ooh. It's my birthday. November 8th. Eh, 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 Send eh, me news. Eh, eh. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> um, you might get some. Don't be throwing out that out there. We're going to have our inbox yeah. flooded with dicks. Yeah. Some of y'all are thirsty out there. And then we'll do a live video ranking them all. <laughs> yeah oh my this god this is my number one yes. dick <laughs> yes we're just gonna be on this podcast and just describe each dick in detail and we're gonna let you choose your favorite yeah. <laughs> so this one is uncut <laughs> yeah <laughs> this one's real veiny and girthy <laughs> this one's thick and juicy <laughs> <laughs> mom this one's short wait that's mine <laughs> This one looks like a mushroom. (laughs) (laughs) We're we're disgusting. (laughs) We are, we are. Possessed. All right, folks. Um, We will see you next time. Yes. Sweet screams, bitch. Bye.